Hello, this is Andy Lopez, and you're listening to Don't Panic, It's Organic. Today's show is May 9th, 2020. Today we have a lot of really good inf- new information for you, so sit back and enjoy the show. Today I'm going to talk to you about bricks. I'm going to talk to you about the refractometer. I'm going to talk to you about mycelium. I'm going to talk to you about compost. I'm going to talk to you about why organic is so important. And I'm going to talk to you about carbohydrates. Let me tell you a little bit about bricks. Bricks is a measurement of how much sugar is in a liquid. It is a relative density scale that indicates the percent of sucrose by weight in a solution or juice of a plant measured in degrees bricks. It's B-R-I-X. What bricks also means is that I discovered that it also measures how much minerals a plant has. The higher the bricks reading, the more minerals the plant will have. Will have. About the refractometer, it's a tool to use to get BRICS readings. It uh, can be expensive or inexpensive. You don't have to buy the expensive variety. Uh, it's available from eBay or Amazon. And uh, uh, if you, you need help to decide which one to choose, I, I have a picture up here that will show you a really simple refractometer that you can use. That particular one cost me about $35. About mycelium. Mycelium, in studying the health of the soil, I discovered mycelium. Now, I didn't discover it. I just started reading what other folks were saying about it. Here are some pictures of the mycelium, how they look. And there are mushrooms there growing because mushrooms grow in the mycelium. That's how you can tell if the soil is alive, but the mushrooms, if mushrooms are growing on it. No mushrooms are growing on it, no mycelium. What I learned about mycelium is that mycelium breaks down minerals and makes it available to the plants. Without this, the plants would not be able to assimilate minerals and get sick. Sick plants are attracted, attacked by pests and diseases. So mycelium is a very key source of health for everything, really. Mycelium is the beginning and the ending of the food cycle. Everything is dependent upon mycelium to get the minerals that it needs. We need the minerals, but we can't eat the mycelium. We eat the plants that eat, that the, 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 uh, provided the food by the mycelium. So I like to tell people the higher the bricks, the less the pests and disease. Another way to t- tell people, I tell people this, the greater the stress, the less the pests and disease. It turns out that when you're stressed out, you're not very good at, that means, it either means that you're not absorbing minerals and you get stressed out, or you're not absorbing, you get stressed out and you're not absorbing minerals. In either case, you're not getting all the minerals that you need. It's very simple to use a a refractometer as a perfect tool to determine if you're doing the right thing. If you can't figure out, most gardeners can tell if their plants are healthy, right? You don't need to know. They don't need to refractometer. But... A refractometer is an excellent tool to tell you the bricks rating, reading, which in turn will tell you how healthy a plant is, how much minerals it has. It, it, it actually doesn't tell you how much minerals it has, uh, but because it, it, it doesn't, you know, there are more expensive varieties that do that. You know, the astronomers look through the stars and they break down the, they can tell you what minerals a planet it has. But this refractometer basically just measures the sugar level. What I learned to do is that the higher the bricks level, the more minerals it should have. doesn't mean it has a wide range of minerals either. There's a, a rule called the fuzzy line rule. basically means 
that the, the, the difference between the light and the dark is a line. The sharper the line, the less, the, the less varieties of minerals it has. The more fuzzy the line, the more varieties of minerals it has. It's called the fuzzy line rule. Why do we make compost, right? You think it's for recycling. That's just one of the benefits. The real reason, in my opinion, why we make compost is we want to heal Mother Nature. We have dumped so much toxins and chemicals into the soil, we're constantly destroying the mycelium. You make compost to bring back the mycelium and the minerals into the soil. So the compost provides minerals back to the soil, compost provides mycelium back to the soil, and compost feeds the earthworms. Earthworms are another very important part of the health of the soil. But in order to make the compost, for it to happen, you have to put this, these things into the compost. That's why I always talk about rock dust as a source of minerals. The mycelium you can get from anim, various different types of animal manures. And of course, once you, put, you make the compost and you put it in the soil, you're going to be feeding the earthworms. So why is organic so important? Other than the fact that you reduce pesticides and chemicals that you're eating, you are also not adding chemicals to the soil. Chemical fertilizers destroy the mycelium, damage the health of the soil, and in turn, in turn ha damages the health of the plants, and in turn damages your health. That's why eating organic produce is healthy for you, and it's also healthy for the plants. That's why you should only, you always use organic fertilizers. Right? Organic fertilizers are very gentle. They do not do any damage to the soil whatsoever. Not, they don't have any high nitrogen. High, high nitrogen inhibits plants' ability to absorb minerals. So the less minerals it has, the more stressed out it's going to be. Here's the secret to a healthy garden. This is something that I've been working on almost all, uh, pretty much all my life, and I, I reached a conclusion. Now, I, it's not a proven fact, but more and more people will eventually realize this is true. So what happens is, is that there are two types of carbohydrates, right? There are simple carbohydrates and complex carbohydrates. Insects have evolved through the millennium to digest simple carbohydrates, it's a source of protein, a source of energy for them. And guess what they cannot digest? Complex carbohydrates. So it's a perfect setup for an insect to... An insect has like a built-in refractometer, okay? They can look at a plant and say, well, that's food for me. They're not, they're not going to say, well, you know, it has a low refractometer reading. They're just going to say, it's food for me. I'm going to eat that. In reality, they can see the colors because, you know, they, there's a relationship in colors and minerals. That's how astronomers can tell the, what, a, what a planet is or a star is made of by the color. The color transfers to a certain type of minerals, a certain type of element. And so the insects can, can tell simply by looking at it if it's food for them. I tell people if it's food for the bug, it's not food for you. And so the insects can, the, the, you know, if you have, there are many different types of pests that, you know, but basically what they do, they find a home for their babies. So the mother would never put a baby in a, in a plant that it can't eat. It would first determine if it can eat it, right, if it's food for the baby. 
and that's a, that's the a key right there. See, so if it's a complex, if it's a plant that has complex carbohydrates, that insect will say, "Nope, no, no good for my baby." You see, or if it's simple carbohydrates, the plant will, the insect will say, "Wow, perfect environment for my children to grow up because they'll have a, a, a supply of food." See, right? So that's the difference right there. Uh, is is Complex and simple carbohydrates. Oddly enough, the same thing with the human body. Complex carbohydrates is very good for us. Simple carbohydrates is very bad for us. You see? It's, so we, we have evolved from the mycelium. It's, it's taken us millions of years to evolve. Uh, we decided at one time you know, in our evolution process to get up, move from the soil. Uh, and we decided that it, we're going to be moving around. And what we did was he developed us. Our stomach is identical in a lot of ways to the soil. The mycelium, we don't have mycelium in our bodies, but we have very similar microorganisms that they take the, the food and digest it and make it available to us. But they cannot digest minerals. They can't take minerals in a mineral form and break it down. Somebody or something has to already break it down for us, and that's where the mycelium comes in. That's where when you eat something, you're eating the, the minerals that has already been digested for you. You see what I'm saying? And that's it. That's the key part right there. Because as if we we get stressed out, we're not going to be able to, to absorb the minerals. Okay, and, our, uh, and especially if we eat junk food and we eat all kinds of chemicals into our bodies, we don't we won't have the the uh, the ability to absorb the food we need. Uh, many scientists are now saying that. The true brain lies in your stomach. See, right? So that's the whole key to growing organically. That's the whole key that I've discovered as an arborist to controlling diseases in, in trees. A long time ago, I told myself, gee, trees, soil, they are connected together, aren't they? That's right, they are. And so I figure, well, let's do something for the soil to help the soil get healthy and what is it that's missing, right? The mycelium. This is not a, a well-known fact because, you know, a lot of people, professionals, gardeners, have a faint idea that the soil is a living being. I consider it to be a living being. I consider, consider it to be highly intelligent. It's the beginning and the end of the food chain. Guess what, who eats us when we die? You could put If you end up going into the soil, the mycelium breaks us down. The mycelium have, have developed a system, I call it the internet of the soil, right? That's how trees have evolved with the mycelium. Trees, the root systems of the tree actually look for the mycelium, right? They, they, they wrap themselves, the mycelium wraps it. There are different types of mycelium uh, around the world. It depends where, what, where they're growing at. But they have different functions. So there's one particular type of mycelium is found at the root hairs of the trees. And that job of the mycelium is to break the minerals down, make it into a soluble form that the plants can then handle, that the trees can then handle. And then it's, it, it, it passes it on to the tree. And then the tree gets the minerals in a, in a soluble form that it can absorb and uses it. And what, ha and what happens when there's a, a deficiency in any trace mineral, because there's over 96 different trace minerals, a deficiency in any one trace minerals will trigger a reaction in the insect world, 
And usually the way it works, too, is that insects will bring along diseases with them. They both have evolved. The, the disease has evolved with the insects, knowing that the insect would go after that particular plant that the disease needs. And the specialized insects that go after specific trees because they have evolved to know what's going on with the health of that tree, you see? And so a, a citrus, uh, you know, a, a bug that's attacked citrus won't be attacking an apple tree or a pear tree, but it goes after the citrus because it has evolved to know when that citrus is food for it or food for this baby, see? And then disease has evolved to go with the pest because he knows that that pest is going to go after the citrus, which is what the citrus disease wants. So a refractometer is a real handy tool for, to use on all plants and vegetables, flowers, trees, and lawn. See, a lot of people use refractometer for measuring wine, beer, right? Uh, I use a. I, I started using a refractometer on simple things like tomatoes. You know, tomato because it's very liquidy. I I, I use it on any anything that I could drink, whether it be orange juice, apple juice, whatever, to measure the the bricks level of the juice. And then somewhere along the line, I, it occurred to me I should also measure the plant because I really want to know what the plant is doing. I decided maybe the plant is different than the, the fruit it produces. So when I will get a tomato plant, uh, when I have a tomato, for example, I will take the leaf of a tomato plant, put it into a, a motor, crush it up so I get the green juice out of it, put that into the refractometer. And so I started I started doing not just vegetables, but I, on all types of plants, whether it be flowers, uh, trees and lawns. And there are lots of, it's not an easy thing to do uh, because you, uh, things vary from uh, location to location, uh, the weather will, will vary. The time of year will give you a different refractometer reading. Uh, also, too, the, whether the food is ripening or not, right? Because the riper it gets, the sweeter it gets, right? And so the, the trees have their uh, different trees have their own different refractometer reading. The lawns have different refractometer readings. So one of the, so you have to you know you don't have to be as crazy as I am in terms of measuring refractometer readings on everything. I'm assuming you you want to measure the refractometer uh, reading on a vegetable. And, you know, as I said, if you're a good gardener, you can look at a plant because you have evolved, too, to tell if something's good for you to eat. One of the things about <coughs> evolution is that we have evolved to like sweet things, and we stay away from sour things. Sour things usually indicate poison, toxins. Don't eat that. <coughs> sweet things say, yeah, yummy, let's eat that. <coughs> Excuse me. So... Uh, a simple way to use a refractometer is that you, 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 if it's in a liquid form, if it's a tomato, you squeeze it, you know, real easy to do. If it's a vegetable, uh, whether it be zucchini or cucumber, uh, you try to get the juice of that too. I use a motor. It's a motor and a pistol. You grind it up into, you mash it up and mash it up and you get this liquid. You put that into, it has a little light on top. It has a little, has a little, uh, it has a little, uh, a lens that you put the the liquid on there, and you look through the eyepiece, and that will tell you. Uh, then you'll you'll see the the numbers. There's a a light on a dark area on top, and a white area in the bottom. The area where they meet is where the, is what the refractometer read, reading is. By the way, the, the 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 refractometer was invented by a cook. His name is Ernest Abe. 
<laughs> That's true. He invented the first refractometer and many other devices as well. But because he was a cook, he wanted to know how sweet his fruit was, right? So he, he you know, I used to go out shopping with my mom, and she would ask the, uh, the, the, the grocery clerk to uh, slice a piece of the fruit so she could see how, how it tastes. Now they know automatically do. Would you like a little slice to see if you like it, right? And I, I for a long time, I would use like uh, 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 a little dowsing stone, right, to t determine if it was any good or not. Uh, but a lot of people do a, lot, a variety of different things to determine that. And if, if you want to take a refractometer, because I, this is what I would do. I would take a refractometer with me to the store. And when the guy says, "You would you like a, a, a slice? I would say, sure. And I would put it, because it, with apple, for example, it's real easy. You just take a slice of the apple and you rub the apple onto the lens. And you look through the readings. If it's got a really, really low refractometer reading, low bricks reading, I would say, no, thank you. Look at the reading, I would tell him. Look how low that is. It should be at a certain level. You see, it should be at a certain level, but but it's not. So the, so that, that's one way I could tell. No, this this isn't. But as a gardener, I could I automatically would know if the plant was healthy or not. That's why also too, it's like you know cooking. You want to nibble on a regular basis, and it tells you if it's sweet or not, right? If the fruit and vegetables is it's delicious or not. You can't. Always tell if a, if a broccoli is sweet or if a cucumber is sweet, right? That's a slightly different, but it will tell you on the refractometer reading, the measurements, the bricks reading of that plant, right? And remember that the, the refractometer measures sugar concentration in both plants and fruit, as as well as the leaves, in plants both from the fruit and the leaves, right? The the readings will differ from fruit. And from leaves, the fruit determines the taste, while the leaf actually tells you the health of the plant, right? Generally, a good, a good bricks reading of fruit can tell you if the plant is healthy or not. But, but a, a direct reading of the plant can tell you lots more. And then there's a problem issue that if you were to measure different parts of the plant, you'll find different bricks reading. That basically means that the plant itself is not able to assimilate and, and, and transport, you know, transfer all the minerals to all the plants. So there's something wrong with the plant. If one part of the plant has a different refractometer reading than another part of the plant, right? So, and a lot of people have a hard time with, with uh, using a refractometer because they have nothing to, to, to uh, you know, to uh, compare it with. So what I have done is I have, uh, there's a, a refractometer book, e-book, uh, that I'm going to show you a little bit of it now, and you can see for yourself. So the name of the book is called Using a Refractometer to Test the Quality of Fruits and Vegetables by Rex Harrell, H-A-R-R-I-L-L. -L. Happens to be a friend of mine. So let's go through this real fast, right? Not necessarily real fast, but... So here's a book. Here's a PDF book. It says you cannot buy nor grow good food until you can first identify good food. It's really very handy book. It's a, it's available for free. You can get it from my website, or you can contact me directly and get it yourself. The PDF book. Uh, it says perhaps you should set eat more fruit and vegetables. Said the doctor, and the dentist, and so on. <laughs> 
Um, so this is a very interesting book. It explains a lot of uh, things. Uh, poor, poor, average, good, and excellent is a way to determine the different levels, qualities of fruit. Okay, when you're doing a reading, you're either in a poor level, average level, good, or excellent. You always want it to be in the excellent stage. Okay, so uh, it, it really covers a lot of information. And here's a little example of how you can do the brick testing. It's very simple. You see on the right there, you squeeze a drop onto the lens, and you look through the the the, the eyepiece. There are several people that really worked on this. Um, the book tells you all about them. I, I happen to know both of them. <laughs> One of the things I want to show you in this book is basically the chart. Kerry Reams, I, I knew him in Florida. Uh, he was really into soft rock phosphate. He told me a lot about soft rock phosphate. Very important. I'll go over that with you. So here are some of the charts that he developed. And uh, probably one of the few people that actually have made a chart. I'm working on a chart for roses, lawns, and stuff like that. Very different. But you can take a look and you'll see that there, there is a poor, average, good, and excellent level. Asparagus is poor, brick reading a two, that's bad. I would go bad, you know. Then there's average four, good is six, excellent is eight. So you'll see there's lots, like for cantaloupe, poor is eight, and excellent is like 20. So they, they, this gives you a, a good idea of the what level the bricks reading should be at, because it doesn't come when you buy a refractometer. So this book is very, very useful for you to, to determine that. Uh, you can also eventually find your own levels that work really good because this is just a general statement of the of the BRICS level you should get. So it, it, it's a very excellent book for you to read. It's an e-book. You can get it from my website, invisiblegarden.com. Click on, go to the bottom of the page. You'll see free resources. You'll see the free e-book there. Of course, at the end of the uh, book here, it tells you who you can contact. If you want to call them directly, I don't know if it's in a print form or not, you know. Uh, but you definitely can get the e-book from him. Um, I haven't seen the print book, but I'm pretty sure there's a print version of it as well. Uh, and uh, you can just tell me Invisible Gardener sent you, right? And it's a very excellent source of information that helps you out with understanding how a refractometer works and what BRICS level you should be getting, you should be getting from your fruit and vegetables. And it also gives you some sources there, uh, access to tools in terms of where you can get them at, you know, Pythagorean lab supplies that may be on the show they've been on before. That's where I got the original. Uh, and it gives you the name and the author and the phone number. You can call them. You can tell them you saw my show and you, what you're interested in the book. Or like I said, you can go to my website, visiblegardener.com, and click on free resources. There's another book that he's giving away called Symphony of the Soil. Uh, I, I probably will be uh, talking about that later on. There's a phone number there that you can call to get the book. Might as well get it. So people ask me all the time, what is it that you do? I mean, with the name Invisible Gardener, that's bad enough as it is, right? I just tell them it's invisible, you don't see. But the reality of it is, if you look at some of the pictures that I've put up there for you, some of the videos, you'll see me spraying. And the spraying, I call it like a magic wand, because I spray my super seaweeds, a microbiological activator. So it's, as a microbiological activator, what it has in it, it has all types well, it has a, all, as many different trace minerals as I can get. I have one product called C, C crop, no, C, uh, C90. It has 90 different trace minerals in it. 
I have a wide variety of, I have over 14 different types of rock dots, which I turn into a liquid form. I have a wide variety of other enzymes, enzymes, which help break down the minerals. Plus, I add to it a, a blend of different types of endo and ectomycorrhiza. Mycorrhiza is, is one of the things that uh, lives in the soil that helps to break down the minerals and nutrients and stuff like that. And so what I do is I have two, two ways, two methods of healing the soil, because everything you see, the pictures you see there, I don't need to use a refractometer anymore. I, I can tell by looking at Other people can tell. You can tell by looking at if something's healthy or not, and so can the bugs. Uh, so, uh, so there's two ways that I uh, heal the soil. First of all, I apply to the soil compost, rock dust, and mulch. I usually use an acid mulch. Lately, I've discovered Dr. Earth's wonderful uh, series of stuff, and they all have endo-nectomycorrhiza right in there with them. I don't have to buy it anymore, because I used to go out and buy the endo-nectomycorrhiza, very expensive, then add it to my stuff, then put it in the soil. I don't have to do that anymore when I'm adding to the soil. I mean, I still add a variety of other things, because it, it's not a complete... Uh, blend, but, but boy, if you just did that by yourself, you'll find you'll be adding more of the microbes to the soil. So I add, so I add uh, several, four times a year. I add uh, rock dust, compost, and mulch, and and I also use uh, the Doctor's organic fertilizers, which also has endonectomycorrhiza, and have a variety of other different types of organic. Uh, fertilizers, organic sources of minerals, which I add to the soil. But every month I spray. And what I spray is my super seaweed. So my super seaweed, I call it a microbiological activator. So it has to be applied on a regular basis. There's two things that happens to it. One is I actually spray it onto the leaves of the plants. It's foliar feeding. The plants get the food, the minerals and everything, which are already broken down because I basically cook it like doing yogurt. It's already broken down. The plants get that right away. Because normally in nature, that's where you find the microbes are on the leaves of the plants. That would, that's a normal thing. So I spray the, the super seaweed onto the leaves of the plants, onto the trunks of the trees, leaves of the plants. So they're getting their trace minerals absorbed in them in a, in a form that they can digest, okay? Because you can't just spray trace minerals, you know, in, a, in, a, in, a, in their natural form. Uh, and, and, you know, chemical people know that, and, and the, the fertilizer people know that, so they, they they break it down to the form that is available to them, even though uh, it's in high concentration of amount. My philosophy is very simple. I follow what Mother Nature has taught me. Mother Nature says, you know, don't have too much of any one thing. <laughs> you can't just be spraying iron. You can't be spraying back, you know, sulfur. You have to spray a, a, a complete blend of food. Like I said, over 90 different trace minerals, but it also has the microbes and the bacteria that help it assimilate it to the plant. And at the same time, it's sprayed onto the soil, constantly providing back to the soil the microorganisms, and the trace minerals. Now, the soil, if the soil is dead, I can spray all I want to and nothing will happen. That's why I tell people you have to apply the compost and the rock dust and the mulch so that the compost is a living organism that will then accept, you know, it's, you know, look, the soil is constantly being attacked. Us humans are destroying the soil. City water's got chemicals in it. Uh, fertilizers are chemicals in it. There's all kinds of other chemicals that end up going into the soil, damaging the soil, killing the microorganisms. The beneficial microorganisms die. The bad microorganisms only get worse and worse because, it's, you know, I tell people the good guys and the bad guys don't live in the same place. And there's a reason for that. 
See what I'm saying? So that's that's the whole idea is to establish a home for the good guys. I have found that over the years, there are some really very simple solutions for a wide variety of pests and disease. Tree pests, uh, diseases, usually the disease, like I said before, follows the pest. Pests are vectors of the disease because they have both evolved together. So they're specialized in certain plants, right? A disease says, I'm going to stick with this pest because this pest goes to the plants I want to, right? And so I've learned that over the years, there's really a very simple solution to all these all these diseases and pests. And that is a trace mineral deficiency. It's as simple as that. And it's not, you know, when you buy a, a chemical fertilizer, you get nitrogen, NPK. And you may get a few other things, right? You may get some iron in there. You may get, you know, um, maybe some magnesium. But other than that, remember, there are 90 different trace minerals. That, that are required, and none of these fertilizers will provide any, any, hardly any, enough of the trace minerals are needed. I call them exotics. They're exotics because they're needed in very, very tiny amounts. Things that you would never think that would be needed, like gold, for example. You know, we need gold in our body a certain amount. Uh, uh, things that are, that are toxic, like lead, cadmium, mercury, arsenic. All those things are also found in our bodies in the right amount they're needed and so we need 90 different ones and so the only real way to get them is to is to find different sources of them. that's why I ran across rock dust a long long time ago I started using rock dust uh, 19 early 1970 when I ran across um, uh, I used to go to homestead uh, well it was way before 1970 because um, I was in the uh, sixth grade or seventh grade when I was doing my business. I had a business from sixth grade to the ninth grade. And one of the things I've learned, I, when I used to go out to, to a homestead with my dad, we used to go to the farmer's market. The homestead, we were from Miami, highly actually. And we would go to the farmer's market. But on the way to the farmer's market, I would go by this farmer who has stand uh, of, you know, produce and vegetables. And we always stopped there because the food was so delicious and the fruit was so delicious. So I used to, so I asked him, how come your fruit is always tasting so good? And he showed me. And he told me this product is called, I still remember the name is Fertrell. It's a good ad for Fertrell. If you're a Fertrell company, you want to call me. <laughs> uh, but it's basically a blend of various different types of things. One of the things I noticed it had was green sand. It was a lot of green sand. Green sand is found off the course of New Jersey. So it's called New Jersey green sand. It's actually green. And it's ancient sea life, rich in trace minerals. Absolutely rich in trace mill. Then they they would add a variety, a variety of other different sources of trace mill. So you have a wonderful blend of a, of these trace mills, which more than likely covered everything that we need. The ninety trace mills were usually found in there. So I started using that stuff myself. And then when I got out of the service, that's the first thing I did was looking for look for a source of rock dust. Not that well known, but you can get it. Lots of different places you can get it. The soft rock phosphate was one of the first ones that I started using. Don't use it by itself. I blend it together with a variety of other things. I also use agrimen from Southern California here. I use a collodial uh, I use, um, uh, actually, that's collodial clay, the, the folks in Southern California. It's, it's, it's from a uh, hot mud bath place. If you've ever been to San Diego, they have this hot mud, mud bath place uh, there, and that's the soil. That's the, it, it gets dried, and that's the, the, the rock dust. is very fine. There's azomite uh, from Colorado. Uh, there's over 14 different 
uh, sources of raktas that I get. And these things are expensive in the sense, like, for example, the, the, the green sand used to cost me 20 bucks a pound, but another 30 to have it shipped. Now it's 50 bucks a pound and 50 to have it shipped. And so, and I get rock dust from, I used to say all over the world, but now what I do is I get it from a couple of sources, which they get, they bring it in from all over the world and make it available so I don't have to pay, they, you know, they include the, they make their money off of it, you know, so it's worth it for them to be importing stuff. But this stuff is heavy. It's, it, rock dust is not light. So I get, I use 14 different sources of rock dust. I also incorporate a couple other different sources. Like I said, I use C90. And C90 is basically an ancient sea uh, bed uh, that's, that was located, I'm not exactly sure, but somewhere in, in the Middle East. So it's also important to understand the, the value of carbon. So when I talk about heal the soil and you heal the earth and you save yourself and heal the soil, what I'm talking about is the role that the soil plays in the evolution of the earth, in the evolution of living beings and of all things. Everything's tied into the soil. Anything that's alive is tied into the soil in one way or the other. And one of the things that's happening now in terms of uh, carbon dioxide emission in the air, I was talking to a friend who was, wanted to know, he, 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 he said there's a relationship between the Industrial Revolution and CO2 levels. And that CO2 levels were somehow damaging the nutritional value of the food crop around the world. And he didn't understand why the CO2, how the CO2 was affecting the plants. Because he was thinking the CO2 was affecting the plants. He's partially right, because the, the Industrial Revolution did increase the CO2 levels. And so on, you know, but what it really did was the invention of chemical fertilizers. And that's when chemical fertilizers started being used more and more and more and more and more. And chemical fertilizers, all they do is damage the soil. So the importance of CO2 is, is, is this. The more you damage the soil, the less the soil can take up CO2, because that's what one of the things the soil does. How do you think the microbes in the soil break down the minerals? They take in carbon dioxide, convert it into a carbon, a form of uh, acid called carbonic acid, they use, they use that acid to break down the minerals. So the more chemical fertilizers are being used to destroy the soil, the less the soil is capable of absorbing the carbon dioxide, and the less the soil is capable of breaking down the minerals for the plants, and the less nutritional value the plants are going to be. So that's the connection. It's not the CO2 is in it, but it's in a different way that we're thinking about. Not so much the CO2 in the air, because that's, that, that's damaged all by itself right there. The Earth has always been producing CO2, but we've always been able to take it in and use it. We've developed ways of using that CO2. Now we've done, we're producing more CO2, and at the same time we're destroying the one thing that was controlling the CO2 in the air. Besides the trees, of course, they're taking carbon dioxide, get oxygen. Everything is geared to taking carbon dioxide out and producing something good. The ocean takes in carbon dioxide, and it, and it uses it also, too. And so there's the soil, and the, and the trees re, uh, uh, do that. So, and then we give, we, we give out carbon dioxide and give, take in oxygen. The opposite, right? The, what the trees give, we take, and what the, the earth gives, we take. And that's, and that's the key to uh, what's going on right now in the soil. And the, so the whole thing with climate change has to do with the soil. 
Because if the soul is not functioning to take in, look, the debt, people think that humans, you know, cars and trucks and boats and planes are the ones who are producing the carbon dioxide causing all the damage. And, and, but it's not it. It's the damage we do to the farm, to the soil. We've done 40%, normally the 40% of the, of the damages to the, you know, the increase in carbon dioxide comes from the damage we've done to the soil. If the soil is no longer able to do its job, then we're all going to be in deep, deep trouble. And especially when it comes to nutritional value, because the way you get the minerals into the food that you grow is because the bacteria uh, converts it into a form of minerals that you can use. Now, you think that you're a chemist, and you can dump chemicals everywhere, and that will work. That might work to some extent, but that soil has had it. So you might as well do hydroponics. You don't need soil, right? Every disease, <coughs> every disease, whether it be plant or human, the the real cause, the real cause is a trace mineral deficiency. Usually, one of the exotic trace minerals is missing. When that happens, everything gets triggered and falls into place for a disease either for a pest or a disease to happen, whether it be in human form or in animal form or plant form, insects, right? Insects are geared to attacking uh, 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 their, you know, their, whole, their prey because their prey is deficient in trace minerals. Now, the, the insects don't know that. All they know is that that plant, that animal is perfect food for them. Remember I told you about complex carbohydrates and simple carbohydrates? Right? Insects cannot digest simple carbohydrates, whereas uh, if you feed a, a, a plant property and it has all the, all the trace minerals it needs, it's going to produce a complex carbohydrate. Not the same complex carbohydrates that humans produce, but a complex carbohydrate would be more complex than the simple version. And guess what the, guess what the insects are going to eat? In my years of being in this business, I've learned to concentrate on the health of the soil. Whenever you see me spraying, you think I'm just spraying water around, uh, what, spraying the MG, which is like miracle Grow, spraying miracle Grow around. No, I'm spraying, a lot of times I'll be spraying compost tea, which is a wonderful source of microbes. A lot of times I'll be spraying coffee, cream, and sugar, which also feeds some microbes. A lot of times, most of the times I'm spraying my super seaweed product, which is a microbiological activator. The name kind of gives it away, doesn't it? So if you want to have a vegetable garden and you're tired of the snails, look, when you ever have a snail problem or any type of infestation, there's a, there's a, a problem in the soil, okay? The soil normally has a, a wide range of microorganisms in the soil, that it's enough to control diseases and pests and to inhibit snail production, snail eggs. No snail in the right mind would, would lay his eggs in an environment like that. Same thing, that's how it controls ants. The soil controls it by uh, having a, a wide range of microorganisms live in the soil. When those microorganisms are not there, that's when the, the problem starts. So in the vegetable garden, most people just go out and get vegetables and stick it in, the, in their garden. I mean, they don't even bother to amend the soil, uh, you know, get, get a proper growing environment to grow in. So they're not gonna, the plants are going to be weak and deficient, but they don't seem to care about that. It says, give me something I can spray to kill the bugs. That's not the way it works. Eventually, that spray will come back to you. You're going to be, and your food is totally deficient in any minerals that you really need, and you're going to be eating that stuff, 
and you're not going to be getting the minerals you need. That's why they invented the vitamins and pills, because we're not eating the food that's nutritious to us. That's what the meaning of dense food is all about. It's rich in the trace minerals. But you're not going to get... I love it that people are growing dense food. But test it to see what minerals in If you don't put the minerals in, you ain't going to get the minerals out. And if you think you're getting it from the soil without doing anything about it, then remember the word soil depletion is two words. Soil depletion. So if you have a garden, especially a vegetable garden, which is constantly, you grow vegetables every 30 days or so, you can be producing a whole new batch of vegetables. So yeah, they take the nutrients out, they take the nutrients out, you've got to put it back in again. So the key to, the, to an organic vegetable garden, right, the key to an organic vegetable garden is, I, 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 w- I would think I would do a raised bed, because a raised bed, you control the soil, you grow four to seven more times, four to seven times more in a raised bed than you do in the soil. You not only control, you, can, you grow more, but you control the soil. So if you have like four raised beds, one of the raised beds is always called fallow. It means you're not growing anything in it. That means that you are uh, uh, paying attention to the health of the soil. So a lot of times what you would, I would do, I would take everything out of there. There's several different ways to do it. One, you take everything out there, you run it back through the compost setup. And in the compost setup, you have rock dust, you have uh, different sources of animal manure, because different sources of animal manure have different types of microbes in their stomach, right? Remember the biodynamics principle, right? Because the, different, different, the more assortment of microbes, the better. And, and then, you know, put it back into the, into the bed and then let it all mellow down, mellow down because you need to let the compost settle. Every, all the organisms have to settle and everything. The pH has to come down. Oh, so speaking about pH too, so the, the microorganisms only live in a certain pH environment, 6.34 or to 6.8. That's the environment. I was going to say 6.2, but that's on the low side. What happens is the closer you are to the middle of that number, the more microbes you have. The more you are to one side or the other side, the less and less of the microbes you're going to be getting. Now, this particular type of micro, particular types of micro that provide minerals and stuff for the garden. So you want to look at your pH level. You'll find that your pH is probably very high. If it's anywhere above 7.2, it's too high. Okay, and if anywhere below six is too high, so it's either too alkaline or too acid, right? So that's one of the things you can do is you can do a raised bed, and and the, the other thing you can do in the raised bed is that you can actually rotate a, a, a crop. You can have a different crop rotation because some crops actually put minerals back in and, and more than they take out. You know, uh, you can actually have a green cover crop, which basically means. Exactly that. You grow peanuts, clove, some kind of product, some type of green, you know, uh, plant that you can grow that you could then turn it all over. They decompose back in the soil, bring back all the minerals back into the soil again, right? So that you rot- you, you have a cover crop, or you rotate the soil, right? Right? Uh, uh, you know, so those are two ways to do it, and that's the ideal way to do to make sure that you have the uh, the proper soil environment. But if you're doing it in the ground. And if you want to do that, remember what I said about roller tilling, and it's not exactly the best thing to do for your soil. So roller tilling, growing in the ground, is not a most efficient way to doing things. So even if you get to raise it up a little bit, the, the ideal level for a raised bed is 18 to 24 inches, okay? And even then, you don't do like a lot of people do. They put the raised bed right on top of the soil and just put something down and don't even bother going down, and that's not going to happen. It's not going to work. If you're going to do a raised bed, you want to go down two or three feet down into the ground, put a gopher wire all the way around it, 
fill the whole thing up with this wonderful mixture. What I would do is get compost, not just straight compost, because compost usually is a very high pH. Remember, if you're using manure, the pH is going to be a little bit higher than 7.4, something like that. You want to bring it down. There are lots of different ways to bring that pH down to the right level. So one of the easiest, easiest ways to bring the pH down to the right level is to, is to uh, incorporate a, a potting, organic potting soil. Just make like you have a, that raised bed is a giant pot. So you basically have, I would never put a, a potting soil organic otherwise in the soil because it usually ends up in the ocean, right? But you can either do that or you could do what I've been doing lately too is I've been using uh, Dr. Earth's planting mix. Now the Dr. Earth's planting mix I mentioned to that to you before is a wonderful product which has endonectomycorrhiza in it, which is exactly what you need in the garden because it's a lot cheaper buying it that way than it is to go out and buy a container of uh, endonectal mycorrhiza. There's a whole bunch on the market now, but they are expensive. I just bought a little bottle, it's $100. And I go through lots of products like that, very expensive, and they're costing more and more and more. Uh, so uh, I would get the Doctor's planting mix, mix the two equal, equally together. I would even get a hold of some coffee grinds. If I can get a hold of some organic coffee grinds, apply that to to the mix. If you can get some earthworm castings, which are usually on the acid side, earthworm castings like six maybe 6 pH, 6.2, 6.3, something like that, you know. Blend it all together. You're going to have a wonderful, and, of course, you want to add a little bit of your rock dust to it. Rock dust is a trace mineral, so if you add too much, don't do like this one guy did. If he added a pound of rock dust or his raised bed and it killed everything, yeah, it's called trace mineral for a reason. If you think I'm talking faster, it's because I am, because it's getting closer and closer to the end zone here. And I want to try to get as much in as I can, you know. <clears throat> blend it all together. Another aspect of having a raised bed is that you, you can control the water more. You use 75% less water if you do it right. And you know how you would do that? You get you get your line. You, nowadays you have a drip line that you can bury. It's good for 10 years. And you bury it halfway up the, the raised bed, not sitting on top of the surface because 75% of that water goes up in the air. You bury it. The only thing you have to do is you, you either hand water because if you do seeds, you want to water the seeds in, right? Uh, if you When you do new plants, you want to water them in a little bit too. So what I've done is I usually have the drip line buried, but I also have a valve that turns on that I can switch over to a couple overhead misters, which allow me to do some overhead watering for them as well. You save 75% of your watering. That's a wonderful way to, to do the garden. And the other aspect of having an organic vegetable garden, as I mentioned before, is genetics. Don't go out and buy junk seeds. You're going to get junk, junk in, junk out. If you think you can get a chemically grown vegetable, like whatever you buy in the store or where the seeds are, first of all, they, the seeds will probably come with a, a fungicide already on them so because the seeds are so delicate. You're going to get it's. They tell you it's normal to have to use a fungicide on these plants. It's normal to have to use these pesticides or these herbicides or these fertilizers. They won't do well without any of these other stuff because they're so weak. You understand? So you only get organic heirloom Nowadays, there are heirloom varieties which are not organic. They're just using, taking advantage of it. You want organic heirloom varieties because their, their genetics are for growing in an organic environment. Okay? They, they've, never been, they've never been having any chemical fertilizers or pesticides or fungicides or anything used to get them. You'll find that they'll do much, much better, a thousand times better, and they will work better in your organic garden. If you have chemically grown 
seeds, because you go to the nursery, what do you think they do in the nursery? They have to get rid of the plants very, very fast because they're going to they're going to die, and they can't keep spraying them all the time. Somebody's got to buy them. You're lucky if they survive at all, and this is supposed to be normal. So another thing I want to say is about weeds. And see, you know, you know the old saying that weeds are just a plant that we don't want? But you know what weeds do? They Their job is to bring minerals up to the soil. There are different weeds, you know, with different tests, and they basically bring different minerals to the soil. I used to be able to take a walk in Pudgy Brumat and tell people what the soil is deficient, what's deficient in the soil because of the weeds are growing. And so the weeds will not grow in, in minerally rich soil and microbes, what you consider to be weeds. Isn't that, isn't that interesting? So we have... A little bit of time left on the show here, you know, and I'll be back next week. I have lots and lots of information for you, you know, and um, I'll, I'll be showing some charts. Um, I'm just learning how to use this here uh, software, and I'm going to be basically going over uh, my book. And speaking of books, remember, you go to my website, invisiblegardener.com. On the very bottom of the page there, those are free resources. And when you click on it, it will take you to a free resource page, which will uh, you'll see the 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 Bricks book there. You can get the ebooks. You can download that that one for free. Uh, there's also a report I put up there by the Rodale organization that about organics and value of organic versus conventional. And while you're there, you should uh, membership is free. Right now, it's it, it's free. It used to be twenty dollars for. Uh, a uh, lifetime digital membership, or members used to pay fifty-five dollars, and they got the uh, the book. I have a Don't Panic is Organic. Get the print version of the book. So now, when you join, you'll get the PDF version of my book, Don't Panic is Organic, along with twenty-one other books. Uh, the, the the one before that was Natural Pest Control Alternatives to Chemicals for the Home and Garden. I also have one called Dances with Ants. It's about how to control ants naturally. Notice I use the word control rather than kill. And I have a variety of other books, 21 all told, that you would get. So as a member, you will have access to me, and I'll be happy to help you out in any way I can. You know, you get a newsletter. Once you sign up for the membership, uh, you'll get a free, uh, you get a newsletter on a regular basis when I put it out, which tells you about what's going on with the radio show. It's, we have a contest every month. Uh, right now, the the the, <clears throat> the winner will get a uh, Miss Garner's Growers Kit. I call it the Growers Kit because that's basically what it is: is uh, five pounds of my rock dust blend and a quart of super seaweed. Uh, the Growers Kit is a hundred dollars, uh, and the quart of super seaweed is normally a hundred fifty dollars a quart, and the rock dust is. $50 for the five pounds. So normally it will cost you 200 bucks to get both and, and, and the membership, but you're only going to be paying 100 bucks to get it. Okay, so that's the special I'm having now. I'm not sure how much longer I'm going to be doing it, but it's be up there for you. Okay? A few minutes left, about 10 minutes or so. So, um, <clears throat> you know, the I do this show, so one of the reasons I do this is that people can call me. And so starting next show, I'm going to make sure that I announce the phone number to call. You know, we use Zoom, and uh, that way you can talk to me through that too, but you can also use your regular cell phone or your regular landline or whatever to call me and talk to me. And if you have a question that you see on the on the video, don't you can either send it to me, Andy Lopez at invisiblegardener.com, or you can um, call the number there and tell the engineer you have a question. He'll pipe it into my brain, and I will stop the show, 
All I got to do is push the button and everything stops, and I'll talk to you. <clears throat> and it will continue the show on If it doesn't get to the end, it doesn't get to the end. The important thing is to talk to you. The easiest thing for me to do would be, you know, and the best would be for you to email me with your questions, and I'll incorporate it into next week's show. See? And it also gives me time to think about it and make sure I give you the best information I can give you on the question. I don't mind on the air, on the spot doing things, you know, but it works really a lot better if you answer, tell me the question and I'm happy to think about it, give you a good answer back on the show, right? And then you, and I'll tell you, you know, you can expect me to answer by the next show. I always answer by the next show. Another thing I want to tell you is that, you know, I have a book out. My latest book is called Don't Panic, It's Organic. Now, people have been coming to my website and buying it, and I, I have to change that because I would rather you go to Amazon, you know, and buy the book from Amazon because then you could do a book review. That would be really great. If you have the urge to send me money or to buy my book, you'll, like, you'll love the book. It's uh, Amazon. I go to Amazon, do Invisible Gardener search, you see all my books up there. Look for the, the Don't Panic, It's Organic one. Don't buy the book, Don't Panic, It's Organic, from third parties because they sell it for whatever price. I've heard, I see them going for 300 bucks up there. And I'm, I'm trying to tell them not to, I, I told them not to do that, but Amazon says they could do whatever they want to because they're third-party vendors. And I talked to them. They said the book is worth it. So don't do it. Only get it from me. I'd rather get it from my, 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 you know, my place up on uh, my books up on Amazon. Just type Invisible Gardener, Don't Panic, It's Organic Book, and you'll see it's there. You can also get a Kindle version of it, too, if you use Kindle. Uh, however, if you, uh, you know, if you, uh, want, if you don't want to do that, and while you're at the website getting the free resource, you can join. Membership is free. Right now, it's a special. It's free. It's normally, like I said before, it's normally $20 for a lifetime membership or $55 for the printed version of the book. And the... The, you know, it's the shipping and the membership. Uh, I, I would much rather you go to Amazon. So that's why I'm doing this membership free now. I rather I want people to buy the book from Amazon. They can get the PDF version from me. They may not need it. Need the book. It's a perfectly good book. It's in color. With PDF version, you'll like it. Uh, except you have to read it through your computer. Personally, I like a, a book that I can turn pages and write stuff on and do stuff like that. That's what this book is for. It's a very big book, and you'll love it. Uh, it has, uh, let's see how many pages it has. I don't remember how many pages it has. It has uh, 368 pages. So it's a big, giant book. It's my latest book that I have out. It's called Don't Panic, It's Organic. You get it on Amazon. Then you can do a book review. That would be really great if you can do a book review. And if you do a book review, you can set, you can you can tell me, Andy, I did a book review and send me a link. And what I'll do is I'll automatically enter you in the contest so that you can um, also win some more stuff. Maybe you get the grower's kid. Uh, sometimes I do the uh, Don't Panic, It's Organic coffee mugs. Uh, I also am getting ready to print up some more Don't Panic, It's Organic t-shirts. I have Don't Panic, It's Organic bumper stickers. Currently, this month, <coughs> excuse me, the winner gets uh, a, a, a grower's kit. It's called Invisible Gardener's Grower's Kit. Now, the grower's kit, as I explained before, I think I did on this show, I'm not really sure, I apologize if I did explain to you twice. You get the five pounds of rock dust, and you get a quart of super seaweed. Now, this, that's the very same super seaweed I spray on people's properties, okay? And it, it, it's a hundred, normally $150 for a quart. Uh, 
but it's also on. I think it's on sale now for fifty dollars for a quart. I'm not really sure. Sometimes they put it up on sale, but as a if you buy the growers kit, you get you get a quart of the super seaweed and five pounds of the rock dust. Um, and I think any and, and you know I think also too you, you get a free membership. Any purchase up there gets you a free membership. Uh, and the members when they join, they also get a twenty percent discount if they buy anything. Uh, they get a code that they can enter on the website and get super seaweed at twenty percent off, rock dust at twenty percent off. You know, um, I, I and don't but don't do like some members have done. They went up there and they they liked the PDF versions of the book and they bought those. That means that they just didn't realize they get those for free. When you join, you'll get a member's corner, which will give you the links, how to get at any, everything they have available up there for members is for free. All the e-books are for free. We have an Ask Andy forum that the members can go and leave questions. Uh, we also do, uh, of course, a radio show. If you're a member, you say, I tell the engineer I'm a member of Andy's club. It's called Club IG. And, and if there's a waiting list and, you, and there are members, not members in front of you, the members go first. I always talk to my members. That's what I do. You know, you, I charge two hundred fifty dollars an hour for my consultation, but my membership is free. You, for, it's free for you now, and you know, once you're a member, it's free. You know, if you and if I change my mind and go back to charging twenty dollars a lifetime, that's a lifetime. It's not a lot of money for for a membership that 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 you can get, that you can call me. I have an organic hotline number. Five to nine, Monday through Friday. Don't call me at nine because I'm hanging up the phone at nine. People call me at nine. I say, I want to talk to you. Sorry, it's time is up. So you have to at least call me by 830 if you want to give it some time to talk, you know. And uh, so anyway, I'll be back next week. Uh, and uh, there are lots of questions I've been getting, so I'm going to incorporate them into the show. I'll be talking more and more about uh, rock dust. I'll be talking about, you know, uh, uh, showing you how I'm going to, as soon as I can get out and get my uh, my photographer and my crew together, I can't do that right now, but as soon as I can go out, I'm going to start shooting some more videos, and I'll shoot how to use a refractometer, show you how to, how I use my refractometer, how I do a reading on a plant, uh, on, the, on the flowers, on the on the fruit, uh, and then I'll also be doing uh, more videos on the gar in the garden. Uh, I have a billion pictures, so that's why you see the big pictures up there. Unfortunately, I have a, a 900 videos, but a good 800 of them were done in the old format because I've been doing this a long time ago. They're not H, HD, uh, right? And so they're not quite uh, in that same format, and it doesn't really work as well. So i got a few more minutes. We're down to about one minute or so. Um, coming up next is my uh, cosmic spaceship, and it's on the same station. It's actually on station two. This is station one you're listening to on BBS radio. So in order to get to my cosmic uh, spaceship, you either have to type in, you know, uh, you have to do a, you can do a search on the, on the on the station or on the address bar on the top of the uh, browser. You'll see it says "Don't panic, it's organic." You just delete that part. You say it'll say bbsradio.com forward slash cosmic spaceship. Okay, everybody, we got to go now. Enjoy. I'll be right back as the captain. Have a nice day. Bye.